Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. And good evening and welcome to the Sages Among Us. I'm Keith Porter. My guest today is Don Ravines, and Don is a retired data systems executive and an environmental activist who is deeply involved in many environmental initiatives in and around Nevada County. So, Don, welcome to the hot seat on the Sages Among Us. Well, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Uh, let me share a very brief summary of your background for folks, and then let's talk about your role in the community and uh, all the things you do and uh, all, the, all the life experiences you've had. You grew up in Oak Park, Illinois. You went to Northwestern University. <clears throat> even went to Stanford for a bit, but you didn't stay there. You went back to, no to, to Midwest to finish your university work. Uh, you've lived in Chicago and Detroit and New York City, and you ended up uh, in your systems work in Berkeley. Um, you were a consultant. You were a business owner. Uh, you and your wife came to Nevada County 27 years ago, so you've been here quite some time, and you are, uh, I think, the epitome of a community activist in many respects. So it's great to have you here. Thank so, you. So tell us a bit about your early um, years growing up in uh, Oak Park, Illinois. You're, you had an older brother and a sister and a father who worked for Illinois Bell, Bellhead guy. I was one of those in the time. Uh, but what were your interests and involvements as a kid? Well, most of the time it was uh, pickup sports. After school, we'd always do basketball or baseball or whatever, all the time, all year round. And uh, bike riding. It was a, Oak Park was a flat community, so you could ride your bike everywhere. So that, that was a great thing to do. I read a lot of science fiction. My brother collected science fiction, so I did every, read every one there was. And then pa I had paper routes all the time. So based on what you said, I'm going to guess about this. I was going to ask you what kind of kid you were. Were you studious and serious or maybe a little more of a rebel? But I'm going to guess you were the kind of the serious kind of a guy. Am I right? Um, I talked a lot in class, so I was usually self-control. I got a bad grade in. Ah, so that was that was your uh, way of getting into a little bit of trouble, huh? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> cool. So you were into sports in high school. So you mentioned the sports. Any any favorite? Uh, what did you excel in in sports? Well, I, I was uh, in the swimming team, and actually, uh, in senior year, I qualified for the national high school swimming team. Really? And then I was in golf on the golf and tennis teams also. Okay. So have you kept up swimming in your um, in your adult life? Oh yes, yep. oh, great, loved it. So, uh, tell us about your academic experience. Were you a good student? Uh, yeah, I think I made the four year honor roll at, at Oak Park High School, and uh, then I went on to I uh, got a scholarship to Stanford, um, but I my dad turned it down because uh, it was only about. $50 a quarter to go to school then, so it wasn't worth even going through the paperwork. Really? But you, but you did go to Stanford, right? Yeah, I went there for one year. For one year? Yeah. Well, so so tell us about that. Now, Stanford would seem to have been the logical place for a guy who ended up as a as a data systems executive to have, have uh, gotten your college education, but that didn't work out that way. No, I started out in engineering, and I really found I wasn't very good at it, so I... But I, uh, Sanford was a great place to live, 
outdoor swimming pool and stuff like that. It was yeah. sand volleyball, stuff like that. So was it a culture shock to go back to the Midwest to Northwestern uh, after a year at Stanford? Um, no, it was, uh, because if, it was interesting because one of the friends from high school went with me to Stanford, and then he also transferred back to Northwestern. So we uh, but, I had a friend. A buddy plan. Involved, huh? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Well, How about girls? Were you into girls in high school? Was there what? Were you into girls? Oh. I, I wondered about girls. <laughs> well, we, you know, there wasn't quite the thing it is today, but it, you know, no. there were little dances occasionally here and there. But Stanford was interesting because at that time there were five boys to every girl at Stanford. Really? So it was quite a thing to try and date anybody. <laughs> oh, so the competition was fierce, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, tell us about your back at Northwestern. Now you said that engineering wasn't your shtick. So uh, what did you study at Northwestern, and how did that go? Well, I started out in um, mathematics, and then I switched to psychology, then philosophy, and I ended up in economics, and I got my degree in economics. Wow! But, yeah. Uh, you, you really covered the field, huh? Yeah. Every quarter, I think I changed majors. <laughs> Well, I guess that makes you the universal uh, the man. I'm trying to think of the term. What is it you call somebody that's uh, that, that's Renaissance well, man? Renaissance man. There you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, it's great to know you uh, with all of your background. Um, so, um, any any other special memories of college years? I mean, sports not a factor in college, that sort of thing. Well, I, I did on uh, the swimming team for Northwestern. I actually competed in the Big Ten swimming championships. All right. So that was uh, the main thing I did. And then just good friends at the frat house and going to all the games and stuff like that. That was. So you're into, into the frat life a little bit, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah oh, cool. Good time. Cool. So um, you got your degree in economics. Um, how did that lead to your work experience? What was the process of getting out into the, the world of work for you? Well, I actually interviewed an insurance company, and they gave you a test. And about based on the Wonderluck test, I got a good enough score that they wanted me to try the new computer group they were starting at that time. It was the first business computer in the country, large computer in the country. Now, uh, tell us about that. Say that again. The first actual big large-scale business computer was an IBM 705 computer. At that time, they didn't even have COBOL language. They just had a machine language. And so it was very basic stuff at that time. But the thing was that it was the only one in the country, so people actually traveled all over the country to get 15 minutes of test time for the for a month, and then they'd fly back again. So it's amazing. I mean, that sounds like an amazing opportunity for a youngster with a college degree to be. You talk about being down on the ground floor. Yeah, definitely. So what what did you what did you learn from that? What did what did that all mean to you at that time? Well, I learned I like I loved programming and I loved to debug programs. And I stayed there for four years, and then I actually moved over to a, a subsidiary of IBM. Uh, and began to work for IBM at that time. So the die was cast at that point in terms of your career direction, right? Exactly. And was that okay with you? Was that what you chose? I mean, that was... Yeah, I I, I liked it a lot. Where you wanted to be. Yeah. Oh, great. Great. Well, I'm Keith Porter, and my guest tonight on The Sages Among Us is Don Ravines. And Don is, as we're learning, a retired data systems executive 
And uh, we haven't gotten to this part yet, but he's an environmental activist who's deeply involved in numerous environmental initiatives in Nevada County. And uh, we're blessed tonight. We have an engineer in the studio, one of my co-hosts, Brian Buckley, and he is here and he can take a call if you would like to join the conversation. You have a question for Don or something you'd like to add to the conversation. Brian will screen your calls and uh, please feel free to give us a call at 530-265-9555. So Don Ravines, following your first job programming in this environment, the first large business computer in the country, and probably in the world, I would guess, right? Pretty Pretty much. Uh, You moved to an IBM spinoff. You ran a computer center in Detroit, developing a programming training course uh, in Chicago. Uh, Then you went to New York to develop industry software, then came back with two colleagues to start a contract programming business in Berkeley. So back to the Bay Area. So I, I, I've taken a big circle tour in there, but what would you tell us about your career development during that time? Well, it's, uh, it was very exciting because uh, we, we had like six, 70 branch offices, and when we developed a program, we had to get the information out to all the 70 branch offices. So it was a, a big effort just to coordinate all the businesses. That was with, uh, with IBM. And then in the Bay Area, well, there were a lot of contract programmers that we, we hired up. We had about 100 contract programmers working for us at one time. Wow. <coughs> so what was it like to go from working for others um, and, and then kind of jumping into business for yourself as a, a consultant and then managing a team that big? That's a huge change. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. Uh, it, it was up and down because every once in a while there'd be a downturn and all of a sudden companies didn't want to hire people anymore as contractors. They wanted to hire their own people, so I went back and forth. I worked for Bank of America on and off for about seven years as a contract programmer, then a person uh, worked there for them, then a contract pro- So uh, you, sound, so, you sound like a renaissance man that knew how to take advantage of the opportunities that were in front of you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, Don, I understand we have a call, Brian. We have a caller, and Brian's put him on the air. So, caller, you're on the air. Do you have a comment or a question for Don? I just had a question. What year would that have been with the large computer that people were flying in to use um, 15 minutes of time on? That was in uh, 1960, about 1960. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That, that kind of lines it up. Well, thanks a lot. Kind of cool, isn't it? Thanks for the call. Yeah, that's incredible. Way ahead of the time I thought it was, actually. Uh, Bye-bye. All right. Thanks for the call. So um, anyway, uh, more to say about that period of life where you were uh, bouncing back and forth between your own business ownership, management of the business, consulting, and working with others? No, I think that pretty much uh, does it. Um, we finally then moved to, to here. We, I actually commuted to Folsom, California from Berkeley, or from Tiburon actually, for quite a few years um, to, to work for a large bank. So I, I was... A consultant for large banks for quite a while. Okay, and then sometime, that, that, so that brought you through the Y2K time. Was Y2K an interesting, difficult time in uh, in, in your industry, your work? Well, the insurance, the uh, bank I worked for had a huge number of programs, and they uh, wanted to make sure they worked on Y2K. Uh, the, IBM had an intro to their programs that was only a two-digit year, so everything right. everything had to be changed to a four-digit year. We started when I started out in business. There were punch cards with one-digit years in them. Really? So there was this. 
So anyway, yeah, I stayed up all night the night of Y2K to make sure that every program was still working. We found a lot of bugs in programs, but none of them had to do with Y2K. <laughs> so the world, the world stayed afloat <laughs> yes, exactly. through a potential disaster. Uh, my favorite Y2K story is that my in-laws hoarded uh, dry cell batteries, D, D cells, A cells, AA cells, feeling like everything was going to go to battery power. And so we ran off of those batteries for 10 years after, wow. <laughs> after the year 2000. Um, that's cool. So sometime around then, I guess, uh, Don, then you retired after 44 years in the industry. Um, but you, were, you said you were commuting to Folsom from the Marin County. Um, then what brought you to Nevada County? You and Barbara decided to move here, what, 27 years Yeah, actually, years a friend, friend of ours in Oakland, they had the Oakland Fire, and she decided that the, it came up right to her doorstop. So she sold her house and moved to Nevada City. And then she, she called us a few years later and said, hey, I've got a perfect lot for you here in Nevada City. So we decided to move here after I retired. And then I still actually worked two or three years here in, in uh, West Sacramento. I commuted from here to West Sacramento. So what brought you to Nevada County? What would you say was the appeal to uh, being here? We love the mountains. We love we loved hiking and biking and that kind of stuff. So, had you spent time in this community when you were still living in Marin County and working around Northern California, or was it just kind of no? A, never really had been here before. So. We had a we had a cabin up in uh, Calaveras County. Okay. For, we were going to retire there, but decided this had much more, uh, you know, uh, music and plays and things like that. This is an interesting place, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's we'll, great. We'll talk a little more about that. Um, so I know you and your wife, Barbara, are deeply involved in the community. I think you were involved in the community in the Bay Area as well. But um, Barbara, by the way, is going to be my guest on a future show. I think we're scheduling that for July, so we'll hear her side of the story too. But um, not tonight. Tonight it's it's your turn, Don. Um, so uh, you, you got very involved in the community um, and uh, – you weren't. You were still working a bit when you were here, commuting. Um, yeah, just for a few years. Really, but yeah. then we got involved with a, a group called Forest Issues Group, which looked into the Tahoe National Forest and made comments on all the pro- forest projects. So that was a big effort. And then the general plan was being revised. So we were working on the Nevada County general plan and making sure that it kept to the what the plan called for. So those are the. And I was doing birding up here and stuff with Audubon Society. I joined the Audubon Society up here and did a lot of bird watching and stuff like that. Great. Well, before we get into your community involvement in more depth, let me ask you a couple more fairly personal questions. Uh, what parts of your career did you find the most rewarding? What, what was really the most um, uh, fulfilling part of what you did for a living? Um, actually... Debugging programs. <laughs> I just love to to make sure the programs worked right and find when it blew up, finding it like when I was working in the Bay Area, I'd get a phone call at like midnight and say, "Hey, you've got to get in here. The pro- the machine's down, and we got to deliver all the forms all over the state for the Bank of America." And I had like an hour to get in there, find the bug, fix it. And so that kind of pressure was high, a lot of pressure, but it was fun to solve those problems. So it's fun when you succeeded. You must have failed on occasion, right? Uh, yeah, occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, enough said about that, I guess. Huh? So um, what would you say is um, an accomplishment or a role in your life that you're especially pleased with or, or proud of that really is uh, m- m- memorable to you? 
Well, we have two kids, and uh, they have two kids each. So it's uh, being with the grandkids and being with our, with our kids and watch them grow up. And we took care. We did a lot of babysitting for them. All, all my wife commuted actually to the Bay Area to take care of one of their granddaughters. Wow. So that that was that's been a very satisfying part of our and a lot of hiking and traveling. We do a lot of traveling. Okay. Well, let me ask the converse question, which is, um, if there was anything you could do over again in your life um, that you would do differently, uh, what, what, what would that be? Anything like that? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think everything was, was pretty good. Well, that's good. good thing to be able to say at this point of life, right? Yeah. After, uh, was... after all that time and all those experiences. Um, so you obviously brought your enthusiasm for supporting causes and being engaged in the community with you to the Sierra Foothills. Um, you were, um, I, I'm going to list a couple of these. I'll probably miss some, but uh, let's just let's just go through the litany here a little bit. You uh, have initiated or been involved with the uh, Yuba Watershed Council, the Forest Issues Group. You were just talking about that. Sierra Forest Legacy, Sierra Foothills Audubon Society, Nevada County Climate Action Now, Community Environmental Advocates, Elders in Action, and Working Groups on the County Energy Action Plans. Well, so first I'd have to ask, when do you sleep? <laughs> well, you, you, we get up at five. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously there's a theme there. What, what would you say is the theme of your community involvement? Well, to, to see, work with other people, to see where we, we can, I mean, as a community, we can, we can make progress on issues like climate change, et cetera. Um, we we we've done some. We did, for example, we did the Mono-like bike ride for eight years, which was dry, we took a test tube of water down in the Department of Power in L.A. and drove it on our bikes to uh, to Mono Lake. Take the water and, back and, home. And took the water back home. Yeah. So that was raising money for Mono Lake, save Mono Lake. That was one of the bigger efforts we did. I think outside of this area. So what, how would you characterize what motivates you to, to do those things, to, to focus so hard and be so active? And in um, in I'll, I'll use the word environmental. I'm not sure that covers the waterfront. Is, is that a term you would use, environmental? I think the environmental is the main, main thing. Uh, it's uh, you know, looking at, what they say, seven generations ahead, that kind of a thing. You're looking at your grandkids and making sure that they're going to have a a decent life uh, based on the environment, and and uh, of course the the, uh, the bird life from Audubon and uh, working on uh, issues like that. Uh, it's just main main interest. So, what would you say uh, to others to encourage them to be more um, involved with and more aware of the issues that you uh, obviously are are focused on in your own. All volunteer activities. Well, in this community, there's a lot of uh, a lot of good environmental groups like Circle, or et cetera, that that really get the community involved. And I think you just have to decide what one area, or maybe that you want to concentrate on, that would make you uh, feel that you can contribute. Whether it's your background in education, or uh, or just because you're you're just interested in something. Yep. I think sometimes the message about the environment and the future of the planet comes across as kind of negative or, or doomsaying because it is a little scary in terms of what could happen as a result of humans' influence on this planet. So how do you do view the future and 
is there a way that you see that as a positive, as uh, something that really has hopeful, uh, a feel, hopeful future to you? Well, it's it's tough. I agree, I think we're right right now our Nevada County Climate Action Now group and working with with the energy action plans is working on building electrification to try and get reduce the emissions that are coming from buildings. So that's a major major thing to have all of Nevada County become more electrified in terms of buildings, get rid of natural gas and fossil fuels. So that's that's a big issue. That's what we're. And, and there's lots of discussion about that. I happen to be a, a supporter of exactly what you're saying. But there, there are the issues of where do you get the electricity and how do you store the electricity and so forth that, that also has environmental impacts. Uh, what would you say to people who say, gosh, you're just substituting one problem for another by, by ending or diminishing the use of fossil fuels? You're creating the need to mine minerals and do a number of other things that, that are also environmentally uh, impactful. Well, mining minerals certainly is impactful, like uh, gold in Nevada County. <laughs> yeah. Stop the mine issue there. Um, but I don't think it's quite the level of climate change. Climate change has a much bigger scope and the chance to really change our civilization. It's already causing a lot of migration of peoples around Africa, et cetera. So that's so much larger than, than some of the uh, other issues. But they're all issues that somebody can work on. So, so I was going to ask you, what do you see in the milieu of things that you focus on and work on and care about? What's the most critical to the future of humanity on Earth? And I think you just answered that. Yeah, I, All right. I think so. All right. So what are the special rewards for you personally uh, for your work in the community that make it all worthwhile? I, uh, earlier, before we went on air, you mentioned, I said we, we would ask people to call in. You said, well, you've made enemies out there. And, of course, no, was, you know, anyone kidding. who's an activist does create difficulties. But uh, it's a fact. I mean, you do, you do create people that really are resistant. So what is it about that that is worthwhile to you? I just I say it's the future for our kids to see that they're going to have a decent life. For the future. Yeah, that's, that's the main thing. Well, I'm Keith Porter on The Sages Among Us this evening. My guest is Don Ravines, and he's a retired data systems executive and an environmental activist who's deeply involved in numerous environmental issues and initiatives in Nevada County. And again, if you'd uh, care to join the conversation with a question for Don or a comment, uh, give us a call. Brian Buckley will take your call in the studio. The number here is 530-265-9555. So... Let's talk about the community more broadly, Don. You mentioned that this was a, an interesting place. You even mentioned music, I think. There's obviously a lot of environmental um, groups. The focus here is, is very uh, strong, I would think, in terms of the normal for a community of our size and nature. Um, but there are other things, too. So what else about this community is meaningful for, for you and means you want to stay here and live your life out in this community? Well, uh as we're getting older, it's a little more difficult to do the long hikes and things like that. So yeah. you just have to find uh, other ways to, to actually have, have that enjoyment of the outdoor. I mean, it's being outdoors. I think everybody has to try and get outdoors more often and, and, and realize how important that is to, to us as an environment. Well, we certainly live in an environment that typically has a lot of a lot of good weather and a lot of uh, beautiful times to be outdoors. So that's a great thing. Anything else you do for fun? Do you, you have any hobbies? Any kind of activities that uh, uh, you know? I mean, well, we go to the, we go to the gym. 
three, okay. t- three times a week. And we also I play golf occasionally uh, and swim when we can. So okay. just trying to stay, stay active that way. Well, I think um, one of the reasons our community does, uh, I would say, from my opinion, very many things very well, is we've got a lot of people here, and I would include you in it, who are folks that could live somewhere else. In some cases, they could make a better living somewhere else, uh, even uh, as they're involved in this community. But they're here because there's something special that magnetizes them to to be part and remain part and remain active in this community. Why do you think that's here, or do you agree with that? Uh, that's my opinion. I do. Uh, the, the group I'm with right now, Nevada County Climate Action Now, is about we have about six or seven people on our board or on our steering committee, and every one of them is unique and has things to offer, and, and we just have a great time with them. We're working on issues like plastic and waste. We're working on issues of electric cars. We have an electric car show. We've had a couple of those. So it's just the group is really a, a nice group to work with. All of them have the same dedication and work hard. So it's, it's great. That's great to be able to say. Um, so um, the cultural side of the community, um, you, you did mention music and other things. Is that something that you think adds value to the community as well? Oh, yeah. Uh, the Nevada Theater is a great theater to, for the Sierra stages. Uh, in, in Concert Sierra, there's also a lot of off-broad street was a— Great pandemic came and it's made things difficult, but there's just yeah. all these miners foundry stuff. Yeah, off Broad Street can really be a hoot, can't it? Yeah, it's, it's very, great stuff. It's great. So you mentioned the mine, uh, the mine watch, uh, <coughs> resistance to opening, reopening the Idaho Maryland mine. Talk about that a little bit. Why is that important? Do you think? Well, it's it's an interesting because in the energy action plans for the county in the Grass Valley, for example, they're trying to save so many so much reduce electricity use, and the amount of the the, the projected for, for the uh, by twenty thirty five of savings by doing all the issues we're trying to build electrification, et cetera, will be completely offset by the mine. And one year of the mine would offset every single savings that we project for all the energy action plans. So that's, that's a major issue. Then there's, there's the water issues, the air quality. There's just so many issues that we just don't need here in the community. It's, I thought we have, we're, we're in level F as a, uh, in terms of air quality as it is, and that will really throw us out over. Uh, I, I certainly uh, understand that from a community perspective, but there is the perspective that um, gold is a precious material in a lot of ways, not just for its value as a, as a, in wealth, but also because of its uh, use in a variety of applications. I have a lot of gold in my teeth, for example, which I appreciate. Um, that gold is going to come from somewhere. Uh, if it's not from a, a mine uh, setting like this that presumably would be well-regulated and, and managed in the best, most environmentally uh, beneficial way possible, then it's going to come perhaps from places where there are, um, what do they call it, uh, craft mining. Uh, individual people uh, mining it in difficult situations where they're where they're personal, uh, they're personally exposed to toxics. Uh, the environment is not protected. How, how, what would you say about that? Well, it's actually too close to our residential area. There's a mining in Nevada that that's away from the uh, from re- re- residential areas. That's one big thing. Most of the gold is actually not usable. It's uh, it's dowries for in Indians, uh, people from India. Uh, 
traders who trade the gold back and forth. A lot of it sits in Fort Knox. I mean, there, there's very little of that gold actually is needed for cell phones, et cetera. And crown, crowns on your teeth. <laughs> and, yeah, and crowns, which yeah. they don't even do that much anymore. I don't yeah, think. I think you're right. <laughs> Mine are dated. Yeah. Well, thanks for your, your views on that. Um, kind of a wrap-up, broad question. Um, we, we love this community. We both have said that. Uh, if a genie in a bottle gave you one wish, what would you ask for to improve this community as a place to live and work and, uh, and reside? <sighs> that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> Just uh, every, all the people that are working on all these various issues to be successful. I mean, c Circle to save the Yuba, um, Wolf Creek Alliance to save Wolf Creek. I mean, there's just all kinds of different things that people can be. That we, uh, one thing is just save the environment. Save the environment. Well, one, one of the things that's often mentioned by people when we ask that question uh, is, well, we need more housing, uh, affordable housing for people, which, of course, means development and growth, which has environmental downside. What's your view about growth for the community? Um, well, certainly I don't want growth to occur outside of the main uh, 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 centers of the town. That's, you know, uh, sprawl. We don't want to do, do sprawl. There's plenty of still plenty of space to to uh, grow the people here, uh, the stuff here. I think the the major f growth in the future has to be in cities, and rural communities have to protect the rural. There's fire danger. There's a lot of dangers, and I, I think that people are realizing that we have to protect the community for the most. Yeah, the beauty the beauty of living out in the woods with all the trees around and, a, and on acreage uh, definitely has its uh, downside. Uh, particularly for fire. Looking ahead, what what is next for you? Is there something coming up that's new for you? Yeah, well, just working on the uh, stopping the mine and also the electrification of the whole cities and counties. All right, All right. Don Ravines, thank you very much for being my guest on the Sage Gentleman Among Us.